0: You're listening to the Quince
1: Podcast.
2: Only a biological man and a biological woman, in other words, a husband and a wife, make a family. That was the crux of the center's response to a clutch of petitions seeking recognition and registration of same-sex marriages under the hindu marriage act the special marriage act and the foreign marriage act on 25th february as the center opposed the pleas it said and i quote living together as partners and having sexual relations with the same-sex individual is not comparable with the indian family unit concept of a husband wife and children which necessarily presuppose a biological man as husband a biological woman as wife and children born out of the Union. And finally, any judicial interference would cause, and I quote, a complete havoc with the delicate balance of personal laws in the country. With the matter now listed for 20th April, let's take a step back to understand who are the petitioners in the case, what are they demanding, what are the arguments made by Solicitor General Tushar Mehta, and why some of these arguments do not hold for the LGBTQI plus community. And to discuss all this, in today's episode, you'll hear from Akshat Agarwal, a research fellow at the Viti Center for Legal Policy, Anjali Gopalan, human rights activist and the director of the NAS Foundation and Karan Tripathi, legal consultant for The Quint. You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you and I'm your host, Emmat. So who are the petitioners in the case? The first petition is filed by members of the LGBTQ community, Abhijit Iyer Mitra, Gopi Shankar, G. Orvasi, and Geeti Thadani, who argued that Section 5 of the Hindu Marriage Act HMA, allows for same-sex marriage and that it clearly lays down that marriage can be performed between any two Hindus. The second plea is filed by two women, Kavita Arora and Ankita Khanna, who have been living as a couple for the past 8 years and try to get married under the Special Marriage Act in September 2020 but the relevant court officer refused to do so. Their petition states that denying the registration of marriage is discriminatory on the grounds of sexual orientation and is not permitted under Article 15 of the Constitution, citing the Supreme Court ruling in 2019, which struck down Section 377 of the IPC. The third petition is filed by two men, Vebab Jain and Barak Vijay Mehta, who got married in the USA in 2017, but were denied a marriage certificate under the Foreign Marriage Act when they approached the Indian consulate. They have also raised similar arguments as Kavita Arora and Ankita Khanna regarding discrimination and violations of constitutional protections. Now, the centre has argued that in India, a marriage necessarily depends upon, and I quote, age-old customs, rituals, practices, cultural ethos and societal values and that under Section 377, the Supreme Court had only decriminalized a particular human behavior, but neither intended to nor did in fact legitimize human conduct in question. Akshat Agarwal, a research fellow at the Vidhi Center for Legal Policy, believes that the center has a very narrow understanding of what Indian culture is, and irrespective of what is the interpretation, the Indian constitution provides everyone the right to autonomy and the right to
0: choice. I think I have two thoughts on that. One is, firstly, I think it's a very narrow understanding of what Indian culture is, and I think we already have the transgender community, which has been a traditional community in India, which has existed outside the heteronormative family. It has always been there. They've had their family units outside the male-female binary. Similarly, I mean, scholars such as Ruth Panita and their research have pointed out how, you know, same-sex couples have already have existed for decades in India. And there are and there's a lot of research on how these couples exist outside the global LGBTQ movement. There are places across India where you will find same-sex couples living together. And it's all well-recorded. Mm. So I feel this is a very narrow, one-sided understanding of what Indian culture is at the point itself because there are all kinds of families. And the families are, a family is not just a male-female unit. It could be any combination of people. And we have those, and they've existed in India for a really long time. And secondly, I think that irrespective of what Indian culture is or isn't, Ultimately, the constitution guarantees all of us the right to autonomy and the right to choice, which is really important. And individuals have the choice to live with who they want to live. And it's ultimately really the essence of this case that we, are, that we have in front of Delhi High Court.
2: The central government in its statements on 25th February also stated that in India, a marriage is not just a union between two individuals, but a solemn institution between a biological man and a biological woman. It further argued that marriage is a social institution that bestows joint responsibility on the spouses to ensure proper psychological and mental growth of their children in the most natural way. Akshat Agarwal believes that Centre's argument is based on procreation being the centre of a marriage and that procreation is an incident of marriage, not the heart of it.
0: I think though, as in the basis for the Solicitor General's argument is that procreation is at the heart of any marriage. But I think that is no longer true and pro- possibly was never true, because I mean procreation may be an incident of marriage, and you marry to protect children and to protect legality and other to give legitimacy to children. But mm. all marriages, as you don't simply marry just to procreate. And I think in India we've constantly seen the Supreme Court say this again and again that, you know, you don't have to procreate, and that is not the sine qua non of a marriage, right? I mean, people can mm. marry without procreation. And especially because as in the society is changing and, we, and marriage law has always responded to changes in society. I mean, long back, we didn't have intercaste marriage, interreligious marriage. We didn't recognize divorce in Hindu law before independence. And this has constantly changed over time. And the meaning of marriage has, of course, changed and it is bound to change because it is so intimate to people in their lives, right? Family law is possibly the most intimate law that we have amongst mm-hmm. most laws. And therefore, it needs to respond to what, people are doing right now, we need to respond to how people are redefining their relationships. And therefore, as in the fact that there was one conception, even firstly, there was, I don't think procreation is ever central to marriage, but even if for the sake of argument you were to say it was, it really no longer is, because even straight people are marrying and they don't necessarily want to have children anymore. So as in and marriage law or family law has to respond to these changes in society.
2: Anjali Gopalan, a human rights activist and the director for the NAAS Foundation, told the Quinn that the understanding of family has changed over the years and the government needs to wake up and smell the coffee.
1: The understanding of how we define family is critical. Because are you saying that in today's world, where, where single people are bringing up families, you know, people have gotten fa- this so-called union between man and woman and that creating family. What happens when one partner dies? Mm. what happens when they get divorced what happens when they're not living together does that mean we are completely negating the fact that that single individual can bring up whoever is they're bringing up is not family mm-hmm. the children that they're bringing up is not family i mean where and and how are we defining family you know increasingly for example as a single woman mm-hmm. i know that i have created my own uh, uh, network of Friends who I see as family, I, I, to me, it's not making any sense at all. There is no logic in what the government is saying, and we must under We must look at how the idea of family has been redefined today. It is about loving, caring, creating an environment stable uh, for children, and anyone can do that. Right? Uh, a same-sex couple can do it. A heterosexual couple can do it. A single person can do it. See, what is important, what we must understand, Mm -hmm. is we must have a strong legal system which protects the rights of people. Does that mean attitudes will change? Not always. That takes time. But the very fact that we have a Mm -hmm. a strong law in place Mm -hmm. does protect people in many ways. If I look at at the fact that... uh, what the reality in the in my culture is today mm-hmm. i see a lot more single people bringing up families i see young people living with each other yeah. i see people making the decision not to get married i see people young people getting married and deciding not to have children so so there's a range of things that are happening and the government really needs to wake up and smell the coffee
2: now the center has also stated in its affidavit that same sex marriage can't be claimed as a fundamental right under the Constitution. To substantiate, the Centre quoted a paragraph from the Nafted Johor Judgment, which states that, and I quote, there can be no doubt that an individual also has a right to a union under Article 21 of the Constitution. When we say union, we do not mean the union of marriage, though marriage is a union. Karan Tripathi, the legal consultant for the Quinn, stated that the reasoning provided by the government has ignored the jurisprudence of the case and conveniently chosen to overlook the issue of equality.
3: The reasoning provided in this reply is not only bad in law, it is undemocratic. The central government has ignored the jurisprudence established by the Supreme Court in Nafted, Johar and Nalsa judgments. It has conveniently chosen to overlook the issue of equality, especially equal protection of sexual minorities, as enshrined in Articles 14 and 15 of the Constitution. A fleeting mention of Article 21 is made, but nowhere is it explained as to why I will not be eligible for the fundamental right to live a dignified life if I choose to marry someone of the same sex. Secondly, the language used to justify to deny marriage equality is extremely parochial, undemocratic and sourced from deep-rooted prejudices against the LGBTQI community. They define marriage as a union between a biological man and a biological woman for the purpose of raising a child. This is in sheer violation of the NALSA judgment which allows trans persons the right to self-recognize their gender, which moves the concept of gender identity away from the genitalia. It is discriminatory against those who are incapable of procreation or who choose not to. Most disturbingly, they say that marriages are unions that guarantee the mental and psychological growth of children in the most natural way. This statement stems from a deep-rooted prejudice against the sexual minorities, which portrays them as sexual sexual predators, pedophiles, or psychologically depressed people. They don't think that a queer household can be considered as a natural household. Further, they say it's the cultural and societal heritage of India, that same-sex marriages are not nationally acknowledged, that they're not part of the cultural heritage of India. In a democracy, Diversity doesn't require the stamp of approval of dominant majoritarian cultural practices. Excluding queer lived experience from the country's cultural heritage is a heteronormative hegemony. It marks queer individuals as lesser citizens because of their defiance of a patriarchal heteronormative majoritarianism. The same thing happened during the codification of Hindu personal laws. Hindu marriage and succession acts follow the template of North Indian Brahminical ideal of personal laws, completely ignoring the local practices of many tribal communities, metrilocal communities, and those opposing the Brahminical hegemony for generations. It's not heterosexual versus homosexual. It is hegemony versus democracy. It is majoritarianism versus diversity.
2: If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavin, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website. And for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com.